0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 964 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. And today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection will prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today's show will focus on what became a 117 to 111 win for the Hawks at home over the Warriors on Sunday night. A nice, solid victory, kind of a slog of a game, a very long game, lots of whistles, lots of fouls. But in the end, a third straight victory for the Hawks coming off the road trip and starting out on a pretty solid note. It was not the greatest game the Hawks have ever played, nor was it the worst. It was kind of a middling effort in some ways, but the Hawks did play hard throughout. They didn't have it going necessarily on offense the entire way, but lots of free throws and kind of just grinded out a win, and that's pretty encouraging in its own right behind their veterans. So as always, we'll dive into what transpired here, and we'll go uh, start with basically some pregame stuff. Um, The injury report was busy yet again. For Atlanta, although less so than Friday. If you you remember Friday's game, if you listen to the podcast or watch that game, the Hawks were missing six guys, including, you know, basically five of their top eight or nine guys in that spot. It was not quite as bad here. Still still no John Collins, who was ruled out for this game already with the uh, with the injury. He's dealing with the, with the ankle. DeAndre Hunter missed this game, a sixth straight absence for Hunter. That's not ideal. And then Cam Reddish and Chris Dunn missed this one. But both Trey Young and Danilo Gallinari were listed as questionable coming in, but they were upgraded midday to available. They both played, and uh, Gallinari was very good in this game in particular. So good to have those guys back, and that definitely helped the Hawks' case to win this game coming in and then also during the game. As for Hunter, McMillan did say, and was asked about this before the game on Sunday, that he was, quote, getting a little bit better, end quote, but he's not comfortable playing just yet. And McMillan said the Hawks want him to play in a live scrimmage before he can return, and that's still a challenge without the practice time. So it's not the worst news for Hunter. At the same time, Missing six games in a row here is not what anybody wanted. I'm very sure about that. So we'll um, we'll update that as it as it gets going here. But that's sort of hovering as a cloud until he can return. That's not ideal for the Hawks, but they keep, they keep winning these games, so that's good to see that they're able to uh, sort of stay afloat without Hunter and Collins. You know, their two best forwards basically have missed these and missed these last couple of games, and they've been able to play pretty well here. So um, on the Warrior side, Steph Curry did return, and that made this game more competitive. In fact, um, I think this game swung. In the fourth quarter when steph was off the court and we'll come back to that later on but um with curry and draymond green the warriors are a very solid team they're not great in the way they have been in previous years but they got blasted earlier this week and that when they didn't have curry and draymond and it's basically basically night and day um in short the warriors have a plus 2.6 net rating for the season when steph curry plays and it's a minus 9.1 net rating when steph curry sits so that tells you it's a night and day. It's kind of like Troy Young, honestly, from the last couple of years, but even probably at a bigger level. Um, they just cannot function without Steph. Similarly, the way the Hawks would not be able to, at least until right now with Lou Williams, <laughs> with uh, Trey Young off the court offensively. And uh, that very much showed in this game as well. Um, and with all that said, but online, our friends over there listed the Hawks as 1.5 point favorites in this game. So basically a coin flip in a lot of ways. They actually opened as the underdog before it was clear that Trey was going to play. When Trey and Gallo were questionable, the Warriors were the favorite in uh, all the betting circles, but ended up with the Hawks as a small favorite. And you could definitely see sort of how that was going to play out throughout this contest. Um, All right, before we dive into the game itself, I want to tell you about our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is betonline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine. You can find it at BetOnline.ag. And Online even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at BetOnline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, and we'll go through the nuts and bolts of this game. And obviously, uh, sort of a back and forth affair, there were no big leads. In the entire game, honestly, both teams were competitive, and it was a lot of back and forth, back and forth, which you'll probably hear throughout this uh, breakdown. Um, the Hawks did start their offense first lineup with Herder and Bogdanovich on the wings, along with along with Trey Young coming back. They did go to Solomon Hill at the four, sort of offset that a little bit, but they had Kevin Herder guarding Steph Curry at the top. That's not ideal. Obviously, the Hawks would like to have. You know Cam Reddish or even DeAndre Hunter or Chris Dunn to guard Steph Curry, but that's what they had to deal with in this game. They chose to go with the offense. They did end up, by the way, ended up closing with Tony Snell, which I think was the right decision. I think that it's probably good, to you know, get Herter out there, and Herter's a better player than Snell, but Snell is a better fit with what the Hawks were playing, particularly when you're going to play Gallinari, and they were at the end of this game. They had to go with Snell for some defense, and that probably helped out a little bit. At any rate, they tried to hide Trey Young on Kelly Oubre, and they did that was pretty effective. All things considered, that was right. was probably what I would have done as well. At any rate, the Hawks, um, and this is kind of a theme the, the entire night, it was kind of an uneven start to this game. Both teams kind of slogging their way through. The Hawks shot 5 of 13 at the open with only one assist, and that they were still winning because the Warriors were not um, cooking on all the cylinders either. Um, the first subs in this game were Gallinari and Snell, no surprise there, and then they had Snell guard Curry kind of right away when he came in, but it was a pretty hideous shooting start for the Hawks. They actually opened 6 of 20 from the floor and 1 of 8 from 3, but they were only down by 1 because the Warriors had similar issues. They brought in Lou Williams and Onyeka Kongwu after a timeout. And that was it, by the way, for the entire rotation. The Hawks played nine guys in this game, which is certainly a departure from where they've been this season. Um, I think it's totally fine to do that at the same time. It is just noteworthy and new because the Hawks have often played, even our McMillan, they've been playing 10 at least on a nightly basis. And this is the first time, uh, at least when they've had health permitting, that they played nine pretty much in a long while. So that's worth noting here. Um, the Hawks opened pretty slowly from the line as well, but managed to hang on to, uh, you know, back and forth here. A couple of threes late in the first quarter from Tony Snell and Lou Williams to give the Hawks a late lead. Then Steph Curry hit one back to tie the game at 24-24. That was kind of appropriate, given the way things had gone to that point to have it be tied at the end of the first quarter. Um, the second quarter was much more offensive focused. It was 35-33 in favor of the Warriors at the end of that period. It actually started out well for the Hawks. Um, they started with the same bench group, um, plus Kevin Herter was sort of the bridge piece. Herter actually had a nice stretch early on in the second quarter, which he had a dunk that really, really invigorated the bench. Trey Young went kind of crazy after after Kevin threw that dunk down. That was a fun moment. And the Hawks had a 7-0 run to open up the second quarter because of Kong Wu, after a timeout, had a three-point play. He was very good again in this game, actually, I thought, especially especially early on. He had four rebounds and two assists, some good some good active defense in his first stint, played quite well there. Um, the Hawks led by as many as eight at 38-30, sorry, 38-30, in the second quarter and a pretty pretty strong start there um, the one sort of caveat maybe downside if you want to say it that way is when you play a short rotation that kind of was be- because in some ways the hawks were electing to play trey and lou williams together i don't love that um defensively it, it is going to work offensively i think that lou could sort of attack matchups and all that kind of stuff but defensively that is tenuous in this game they were able to get by with it because, uh, you know, defensively, it's not exactly the most difficult matchup, especially when Steph's off the court. But the Hawks actually were minus one overall in the first stint with Trey and Lou on the court together, and that included a 10-2 to run by the Warriors um, during that during that period of time. And the Warriors had another run, actually. They had two separate runs late in the second quarter. The last one was a 10-4 to push to give them a two-point lead at the end of the half. It was a weird challenge that was a—I think it was a pretty— Good challenge honestly um Steph Curry got fouled shooting a three-pointer by Tony Snell and because it was a, sh- a three-point shooting foul it's a pretty high leverage play uh, my general thoughts um for new listeners are that I, I would not challenge much in the first half unless it's just absolutely comically obvious or a three-point shooting foul so this falls into that second category the bar is very high but I think it was probably a right decision to challenge it they did lose the challenge but I didn't mind that um kind of a weird call Snell was I guess ruled that he Went through Looney, who then hit Curry. So kind of a weird one there. Didn't love that call, but alas, once once it's, it's been on the floor, it's often hard to overturn. Anyway, um, the Hawks shot the ball decently in the first half, only had six turnovers as well, which is pretty good. But they missed they missed seven free throws, only had four offensive rebounds, and they scored less than their normal pace as a result of that. The Warriors shot the ball hideously before halftime, three of sixteen from three, and uh, if not for Steph Curry. They would have been in some serious trouble. They got a little bit hotter in the second half, but not really. They were only 7-24 after halftime, too. They just did not shoot the ball well. That gave the Hawks some uh, some leeway throughout the game. But Capello was very active. Had fifteen points, nine rebounds in the first half. Um, I want to just note this: uh, Troy Young only had one assist in the first half, and it happened pretty much near the end of the of the second quarter. If that had happened, he's actually only had zero assists only once in his entire career in the first half and he was almost on his way to that one here it would have been only the second time in his career but he got one late so that was just sort of a uh non sequitur i guess but um going in the second half hawks down two in totally fine shape honestly but kind of a coin flip and they might have been a little bit lucky that the warriors were shooting so poorly but you could say the same thing about the hawks on the other side um to the second court sorry second half Um, Early, Bogdanovich hit a couple of threes, give them a two point lead. That was a nice little um, sort of influx of offense. But then the Hawks failed to score on seven straight possessions, including three turnovers. That was a bad run. Earlier in the early in the third quarter, they ended up tying it after Steph turned it over and Trey found Capella in transition to kind of offset that. So they were actually lucky to not give the ball uh, to get the lead up more than they did in that sort of dry spell they had. The Warriors did lead by as many as six. In that quarter, and then Gallinari got going. He had five points in, in short order. They went back to Young and Williams again. That was uh, a little bit better the second time around. There was a great steal actually by Kongwu late in the third quarter, but he actually he probably should have passed the ball in transition. He tried to go up for a, uh, a for sort of a, a contested layup, ended up being called for an offensive foul, which is kind of a weird call. It would have been easier to just drop the ball off, but it was, I like the aggressiveness from him. He actually had a, a, a massive dunk attempt that he tried in the second half as well that he missed and got fouled on, but I was encouraged that he tried it. That's one of those things that I love about John Collins is that he tries to dunk everything um, a lot of the time, and Nathan Knight as well has been doing that recently, but at that was good to see him sort of playing with aggressive uh, an aggressive mindset, and that was carrying over here. But at the end of the quarter in the third, Curry had another three late, give the Hawks a uh, three-point deficit. Kind of another slog of a quarter. It took almost two hours to play three quarters in this game. There's just a lot of whistles and lots of stop-and-start play. Um In the fourth, it was a little bit interesting, and I, I, will, I will shout out Glenn Willis, front of the podcast, but for me, for mentioning this on Twitter, and I was able to build on that from there. But uh Steph Curry sat to start the fourth quarter, and Glenn said this immediately. We were talking about it in Slack as well. The Hawks needed to make a run right then with Steph off the court because, as I said before, in the earlier part of this podcast, the Warriors are very bad without Steph Curry in general. So the door was open, and uh, spoiler alert, the Hawks did make that run. They were plus six, which may not sound like the end of the world, but in a game in which the Hawks won by six, <laughs> that was pretty uh, pretty apparently uh, important, I think. So Kong Wu, I mentioned that that dunk they tried. That was kind of the early part, uh, the early highlight of that fourth quarter. But then Lou Williams got going. He had eight points in 62 seconds. Lou was... You know, not always efficient in this game, but that was his one sort of explosive run, and he was very much a solid, steady hand to run the offense when Trey was off the court. And then Gallinari hit a jumper, and the Hawks were up by two suddenly after uh, trailing for large portions of the third and fourth quarters. The Hawks got into the bonus very, very quickly as well in the fourth. That was an advantage that Galinari actually referenced after the game. They took advantage of that, and they should have. Um, the Hawks had 38 free throw attempts with seven minutes to go in the game, which is a lot. But an 8-0 run, finally, by the Hawks to go up by a 105-98 margin, and they never trailed from there. Part of that was a gift from Jordan Poole, a Michigan guy, so that saddens me a little bit, but he missed a wide open layup. Um, I couldn't believe he missed it. Um, That led to a... By the way, that that shot would have tied it if he had made it. That led to a Tony Snell 3 in the left corner to put the Hawks up by 5, and then after a timeout, Lou hits a a jump shot to go up by 7, and uh, again, the Hawks never trailed from there. A timeout at 435 from the Hawks. I think, in part, to get Trey back in the game. Um, Gallinari then missed a jump shot, and Steph hit free throws to get it down to 105-100. And after some ugly play on both sides, the Warriors had one more threat left in them. Um, Trey had to leave the game after about 81 seconds, and I, I don't think that was exactly the plan. He came in after a pretty long rest for him, and it looked like he was in some pain. He landed very hard. And came out right after that, and it looked like he was getting some attention from the training staff during that portion. It just wouldn't have made sense to have that be the plan for him to come out there. So I'm, I'm assuming that was definitely because it was a medical related issue. He ended up coming back in the game though late. That's good to see, and of course having Lou makes it a lot easier to take Trey out of the game. But that wanted to we circle that to mention again. But step into three to make uh, to make the Hawks lead down to two with two thirty to go. That was the tightest it got, and a little bit of nervousness in there at that po- at that point in time. I would say. But Lou answered with a jumper going to his left. That sort of his pat didn't move, that fadeaway to the left side that he made. And then Damian Lee, a former Hawk, shot an air ball. That was a nice moment for the Hawks in that spot. Uh, Lou then missed one, but Capella got the rebound, finished, and got fouled. And the lead goes from two up to seven with 148 to go. And the lead is pretty safe at that point, especially after a timeout. Uh, sorry, after a break, Curry misses a three. And that would have been a big shot, but he missed it. Now, I will say, Lou misses a three from there that would have probably ended the game and been the dagger. He misses that one, then Wiggins hits a three to cut, to cut it down to four with one ten to go. So, it wasn't over. Four with one ten is manageable, but the Hawks took care of business. It wasn't a great possession, honestly, but Bogdanovich kind of threw the ball up to Clint. Capella, near the rim, Capella gathered it, finished pretty much right at the shot clock buzzer, and the Hawks were up six with 41 seconds to go. There was lots of fouls and weirdness from there, but it was a, a, a sort of an encouraging uh, finish from the Hawks, got to stop after the timeout, and that was kind of it. So, I know I went through a lot there, but essentially, this is a game that was a single-digit game the entire way. The Hawks made a couple of nice rallies. They took advantage of Steph being off the court. In fact, uh, this is going to be sort of the telling stat of the night. Steph Curry, plus eight, in a six-point loss. So, that tells you what happened when Steph left the court. In fact, it was the starters, and Draymond's the same way. It was they were, they were actually plus nine when he played, but it was the bench versus the bench that won this game for Atlanta. We'll come back to that in a second uh, and have much, much more on this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts. And it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I've said a number of times, is cookies and cream. And the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use it for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly... Why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver get everything you need just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door and best of all prices at rockauto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. A basic selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, some takeaways from the game overall, and then we'll get into the individual breakdowns as we always do on the podcast. Uh, defensively, it was not a bad performance. Now, there was some help from the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors were 10 of 40 from three. That is very helpful to be sure. Um, but the Hawks created some turnovers. They had 16 turnovers in this game um, defensively. That's pretty good for Atlanta. I think the first half, the Hawks were not particularly good defensively. And if there was a point of concern, uh, it's points in the paint. The Hawks' point of attack defense was not good in this game, which, again, is not un, uh, is not unsurprising because of the fact that they are playing guys like Young and Williams and even Bogdanovich and Herter on the perimeter. And those guys are not exactly the greatest high, sort of high-end point-of-attack defenders. But still, 62 points in the paint allowed is way too many. So that's that's the one sort of black mark defensively, and they were definitely bailed out by, by some bad shooting from the Warriors. But the end of the results were pretty good. Uh, this is the other stat. Um, in addition to the, the bench versus bench stuff we'll come back to in a second, the Warriors bench was 1 of 12 from 3. Um, that includes Kent Bazemore 0 of 3, Jordan Poole 0 of 5, and Damian Lee 1 of 4. So that was very helpful, in it's own right. But I think the Hawks... Played better defensively, particularly when it mattered. Um, You know, it's obviously some nitpicking there and some uh, choice. But the Hawks did take care of Mizzis a little bit defensively. It wasn't great, but the results were just fine. And then offensively, same thing. I mean, the Hawks were basically scored at their average for the season in terms of their points per possession average, about 1.11, 1.12, something like that, points per possession. Nothing great, necessarily. And honestly, they didn't shoot the ball incredibly well from the field. They were 43% from the floor. A decent 12 of, 30, 12 of 32 from three, which is just fine. Not incredible, but not not bad either. But they got to the line 45 times. That is uh a lot, quite obviously. That's the season high for free throw attempts for the Hawks by a pretty considerable margin, the most since 2017 for Atlanta in a single game. So that tells you, you know, they lived at the line, and that's smart. You know, they got into the bonus several times and they took advantage of that. Um Galinari had 15 free throw attempts, eight for eight for Trey Young. 6 for Capella, 7 for Kongwu. They just got to the line repeatedly, and that helped them to boost their overall efficiency. So their effective field goal percentage was about 50% in this game, which is pretty not great. Not terrible, but not great either. But their true shooting percentage was 58%, which is a huge bump up. That's like a top 7 or 8 mark in the league kind of level. So free throw shooting very much helps. And the Hawks only had 19 assists in this game, which is way less than you would think for a team that scored 117 points. But get to the line, can't get assists. So Turnovers were not a huge problem. They had 15. That was not like that's not terrible, nor is it great. It's kind of uh, a right about average. Um, the only guy who had a bunch was, was Trey Young had seven. But other than that, the Hawks did a pretty decent job there. Offensive rebounding was better in the second half than the first half. They did win the glass in this game overall. It was not a dominant effort on the glass overall. But uh, other than other than Capella, there wasn't a whole lot a whole, else, whole lot else going on there. But it was enough to get the win. So again, I, I don't think the Hawks were great offensively but they were smart enough and the veteran savvy of guys like Young and McDonavich and Gallinari was very helpful in the closing moments of this contest. Um, last thing on the overall takeaways was the bench versus bench stuff. It's, it, it's not always this linear for sure, but if you look at the, uh, the, sort of the plus minuses in this game, everyone on the Hawks bench was plus, was plus six or better. Uh, Lou Williams plus 19, Gallinari plus 12 and the entire Warriors bench was minus seven or worse. Minus seven, minus thirteen, minus eight, minus eleven, minus, t- minus ten, and again, there's not—it's not always bench versus bench and all that stuff, but it's pretty indicative that the Hawks lost this game. The Hawks were getting beat when they were playing starters for starters, like for—for for example, Steph Curry plus eight, Trey Young minus eight in this game, uh, Draymond Green plus nine, Clickapella, uh, minus minus three. So it's not like. The Hawks were dominating, and that was starters for starters. The Hawks made their big runs, their big pushes with stuff off the court, which is what they should have done. Um, that's something you have to just credit them for taking care of business, but um, not a dominant effort by any means. But credit to the bench, and the the short bench definitely did its job in this game. We'll go to the individual stuff now, as we always do on the podcast. We'll, we'll start with the bench. Akongwu uh, played the fewest minutes in this game at 16, but I thought, again, he was very good. Seven points, six rebounds, an assist, a steal was plus six in those 60 minutes. That's a line for seven attempts. Made five of seven. That's totally fine. I thought he was like genuinely good. Again, this is the third game in a row that he's played quite well. He talked before the game, actually, to the media. He was a representative from the Hawks pregame and talked about how he has more confidence now that he's playing more. That kind of goes without saying, but it's worth him. It's worth just kind of mentioning because he said it out loud. And you can definitely see that. The Hawks, he's playing with more aggressiveness, more assertiveness, and that is natural for a guy who's getting more comfortable on the floor, pairing well with Lou Williams for sure, but good to see him defensively making a bunch of plays, rebounding the ball well, and I thought if anything he could play even more in this game, and it would have been fine, but I thought he played well, and good to see that moving forward. Uh, Tony Snell, 29 minutes, he did Tony Snell things. 8 points on 3 shots. 2-3 <laughs> from the floor, 2-3 three from 3, 2 or three from the free throw line, 1 rebound, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. A very Tony Snell effort. He played fine. He closed this game, and that was the right decision, I think, defensively, pairing him with Gallinari, who had it going. So good to see Tony kind of filling his role. Uh, Lou Williams was strong. He was not incredibly efficient. Again, 550, 550 from the floor, which is not great, but got got to the line three times, two or three on threes, had two assists, had a steal, um, three rebounds, 15 points, it was plus 19, Again, like it's just so it's night and day. I don't I don't want to go crazy on this on the small sample size, but it really is night and day to having a guy like Lou Williams to run your offense and be a primary kind of lead scoring option when Trae Young leaves the court. It's just something the Hawks have not had ever in this in this Trae Young era. It's a different look the Hawks just haven't had the entire time since maybe Jeremy Lin in the, in the rookie in the rookie season. So it's been a while, and Lou is really kind of just doing his job in the way that they could have envisioned it. So. That Trey was a heist, as we discussed when it happened, and it still looks like one right now. Uh, Gallinari was quite awesome in this game. 25 points on 5-8 from the floor, 2-5 from 3, 13-15 from the free throw line, 25-10 and for Gallo. You know, Defensively, he always gets a little bit back, but when you have 25-10 and in 29 minutes, it doesn't matter. He was so efficient. He was so good. He can't be guarded when he's shooting the ball well because he's so big. He shoots he shoots over, over everyone, basically, and uh, he was very, very effective. Um, starting lineup-wise, it wasn't great. Other than Capella... It was not like a uh, murderer's row of performances here. I think Gallinari and Williams were really the two kind of stories, aside from Capella, in this game. Uh, Solomon Hill, though, five points, five rebounds, three assists. Uh, People were really mad at Solomon Hill during this game. I'm not really sure why. He wasn't great by any means, but I think he was just kind of fine. He did Solomon Hill stuff. He missed two free throws, but that was kind of not what you want. But I think he was getting a little little bit too much heat from what I saw on the Twitter machine. Uh, But Donovich was not as good as he has been recently, but made three threes in this game, including back-to-back in the second half. Had five assists, two steals, and was uh, made some big plays late. Kind of just being a part of the machine rather than like finishing plays. I thought he played just fine, but was 0-4 on twos, which is kind of bizarre. But anyway, other than that. He played fine. Kevin Herter, 10 points, four, four assists, three steals. He was on the court for some of those runs with, with the second unit as the one crossover guy. That's why he was plus seven. But I thought he was okay. He didn't shoot it great, either two of seven from three. But I thought he was uh, better in this game than he has been at certain times recently. He obviously had a good game on Friday as well. But um, Kevin was sort of a steady hand and also drew the defensive assignment on Steph Curry for a large portion of this game. That's a tough one for anybody, but it's, it's really hard to ask, ask Kevin Herter to chase him around. So kudos for at least being able to not get annihilated the entire time even though it was not great um and then finally trey young it was not his best by any means i think he might still be a little bit banged up after having the knee stuff and then also left this game late but was 0 of 4 from three and only three of seven on twos neither one of those is great got to the line though eight times made seven of eight but 13 13 is 13 points i should say three assists and seven turnovers so I think he might have been better than those numbers indicate because obviously anytime you have twice as many turnovers as assists, if you're Trey Young and you don't shoot it great, it's not a great game for you, but this is one of those games that the Hawks would have lost if they didn't have Lou Williams. Uh, I think that's been said a couple times, but I'll just say it plainly. If the Hawks have a different guy other than Lou Williams behind Trey Young in this game, they probably lose. And uh, that tells you that it's good to have a guy behind Trey Young that is good. Um, so Trae will have better games for sure, but uh, you know, Good to see him back on the court after Friday night, and hopefully he is not banged up too bad for the next couple of games for Atlanta. And then Capella finishes up with 24 points and t- eight, sorry, 18 rebounds, including 13 defensive rebounds. Had two blocks and a steal. 10-16 from the floor. He was good defensively, cleaning up mess- messes around the rim. Uh, You know, a really good Capella game. He was definitely uh, energetic. I think he was not very good, necessarily, by his standards in the first half. A little bit shaky. Had some couple of mishaps around the rim offensively, but... In the second half, he was better finishing. He made a bunch of uh, sort of walling off kind of plays around the rim defensively as well. And Capella was good. So I think it was really like a, like a three-man shared player of the game honor between Williams, Gallinari, and Capella with a little sprinkling of a Kongwu, I would say, in there um, for his bench role. So a nice, a nice effort from the Hawks overall, as I said before. And now we move on to the rest of the week. A homestand. Yes, a homestand for the Hawks. Um, last thing though, before we get to the to the schedules coming up, the Hawks with this win now are twenty six to twenty four on the season. They are now tied with Miami for the four seed in the East. That's impressive, obviously, and we'll see what happens from this point forward. But there's no reason why the Hawks can't hang around this four five range the rest of the way. The schedule is fairly fairly reasonable from this point forward, and uh, you know Miami is pretty good, but you know these no, they're playing like it's Charlotte and it's New York and these teams that I think the Hawks are better than. So. We'll see, but uh, through 50 games, 26-24, can't argue too much with that. Um, rest of the week, the Hawks have a back-to-back on a Tuesday and Wednesday, both at home against the Pelicans and Grizzlies. Both of those teams are pretty solid when they are healthy, but the Pelicans are still banged up right now. Memphis is not incredible either, so very winnable home games, even on a back-to-back. So we'll see if the Hawks can keep this keep this rolling into the rest of the week, but they're now at home through Friday. So this is a four-game uh, in, what, six-night homestand, basically, mini homestand, and uh, then they go to Charlotte on Sunday for a, uh, a matinee contest on at 1pm, sort of a battle of the four, five, six seeds between the uh, Hawks and the Hornets on Sunday. So, we'll get into that later on, but again, wrapping it up, not the best performance the Hawks have ever, ever had in their lives, but they definitely did enough to win, and uh, beating a Warriors team with Stefan Draymond is much more impressive than being a Warriors team without Stefan Draymond, regardless of the final result. So, Please follow this podcast or subscribe to this podcast, whichever one you would like to say on your podcast platform of choice. Rate and review as well. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roll and follow the show on Twitter at, at Locked On Hawks. And we'll see you all after the game on Tuesday.